0: Welcome to the Motherhood Reimagined Podcast, where we celebrate all paths to motherhood. I'm your host, Sarah Kowalski. Whether you're contemplating becoming a single mother, trying to be one, or already raising kids, this is the place for inspirational stories, expert advice, and informative guides celebrating those who didn't follow the rules as they share the heartache and joys of their paths. Be informed, be inspired, because you do not need to feel alone. Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Reimagined Podcast. Today, we're doing something a little different, and I'm interviewing my two friends, Jackie and Abby, who are here living with me in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. And we wanted to just talk about why we ended up here and how, and a lot of people have been asking us questions about it, so we just thought we would take the time to talk about our lives now. So first of all, I want to welcome Jackie and Abby. Thank you. Thank you. And I wanted to start off by talking about how we met in the first place. I remember, and maybe you guys can correct me, that one of my friends tagged me on a post where someone on a single moms by choice travel group asked the question of like, has anyone ever considered moving abroad to save money? And you guys had already piped in and my friend tagged me on it and you guys were explaining your, that you were already in the process of moving. Is that correct? Is that what you guys remember?
1: Yeah, I think it was about January, February of last year. So about six or seven months before we were both going to move. And um, yeah, I remember the thread abby and i had made the decision and we were in the process of going through the steps to make it all happen so yeah
2: the first time i remember actually i remember getting a message from you sarah when i was in san miguel scouting schools
0: in Uh. april
2: so we may have connected before them but that that was when you first messaged me privately and maybe with jackie as well asking about the logistics
0: right i do remember that too yeah and then we basically, I think, must around that time, we must have set up like a three-way chat on Facebook Messenger and yeah. probably connected, what, like 50 times, 50 messages a day? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. And we still have that thread, the three-way thread. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: And Jackie and I actually connected when we were both... Well, no, she was pregnant and I was trying to conceive with our oldest kids who are now yeah. 18,
1: seven and
0: a half? Wow. That's amazing. It's
1: funny, I can remember back then when my oldest was a baby, there was a thread on the SMC forum about sending your kid, having immersion in, a, in another language and it kind of came up back then how I was like, I'd love to live in another country and Abby was kind of like, I'd love to go for a camp for the summer somewhere and have my kids learn Spanish. So it's funny, I can remember that from so
0: many years ago. Hmm, that's cool. So, So now we are all here in San Miguel. And I wanted to start by sort of reversing way back or not necessarily way back, but having you guys paint me a picture of what your life was like with kids before you moved. So I know, Abby, that was in Brooklyn for you and Jackie in Florida. Do you want to go ahead and start, Abby, and paint me a picture of what your school days look like and, you know, drop off and pick up how much you saw your kids commuting.
2: Yeah. So I would wake up at 5.15 every day, work out and shower, then get the kids up and leave the house with my older daughter by 7.00 AM, assuming that the nanny wasn't late, which she was usually a couple days a week. (laughs) In which case I would be waiting downstairs in the lobby with the baby and my older daughter anxiously tapping my foot. And as soon as she would arrive, my older daughter, and I would race off to the train as much as you can race with a young child, which is actually not that much, <laughs> and, you know, drag her up the stairs to the subway and ride the train. And then the slog from the train to school, she went to school in the building where I worked. So that was helpful. And then I would just try to race through each day working through lunch to make sure that I could leave work on time at the end of the day to be home to meet the nanny because I only had her for 10 and a quarter hours a day, uh, which felt really long, but somehow there was just never enough time in the day. So it was stressful getting my older daughter back home again, because by then she was usually tired and even slower. And I just felt like I was so on all day for other people's kids that by the time I got home to my own kids to spend time with them, I didn't have much energy or patience left. So then we were racing through the dinner routine, bath, bedtime, hoping I could get them to bed before I could cook dinner for myself, clean the kitchen, pack lunches, and finally relax for a little while before I went to bed early enough to be able to get up and work out before work again the next day. So I felt pretty stressed out and just, I wasn't the mother that I wanted to be as Mm -hmm. a result.
0: And can you talk a little bit about how much you were spending on childcare and like your support network in the U.S.? Mm -hmm.
2: So I had a nanny share, which helped lower the cost a little bit, but it was still $550 a week for the nanny share and then $20 an hour for a babysitter. I tried to have a babysitter every other Friday night, but of course at $20 an hour, it added up quickly. And then I had an after school sitter for my older daughter, one or two days a week if she had swim class or something else. I was able to share the after school sitter with the same family that I shared the nanny with. So that helped a little bit. So it was $10 instead of 20. But even so, my childcare costs were exceeding the cost of my housing every month, which was pretty mm-hmm. stressful. Oh my gosh. And my support system was amazing. The nanny was great. We'd been with her for a number of years. The nanny share family I'd been with for seven years. And, you know, I felt like we were raising our kids together. And I had a very close friend who lived downstairs in the same building. And we rode the train together most mornings. And I could always count on her in an emergency to show up for me at a moment's notice. And, you know, if we had a stomach bug, they would go get Gatorade. They would come Mm. on the weekends for breakfast in their pajamas. So The support was not always cheap, but it was great. And I do miss that. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And Jackie, can you kind of paint us a similar picture of what your life was like in the U.S. before moving?
1: Yeah, sure. First, I want to back up to when my son was first born. So I had a toddler. My daughter was two and a half when he was born. And I had a newborn and I was consulting, working in an office that was far from my house. And my commute every day was like 45 minutes to an hour, one way. So, Mm -hmm. and when my son was first born, he had a heart issue. So instead of sending him to daycare, like I was originally going to do, I had to have a nanny um, just to be able to monitor his heart and different things. So... My expenses definitely went up for child care more than I was expecting. And I was breastfeeding, so I had to get up super early in the morning. I can remember getting up at like five every day, breastfeeding, getting myself ready, getting, getting everybody ready, and then my long commute to work. Um, so it was long days and it was definitely stressful then, like for the first two years of his life. But things did, did get better. I accepted a remote position working from home full-time. And honestly, even though I took a huge pay cut to do that, the flexibility was really worth it. And in the back of my head, I really did think, okay, this is my first step for me to move abroad somewhere. I didn't necessarily know it was going to be Mexico. Back then, I was thinking of Costa Rica and some other stuff that I was researching. But yeah, so I took that job, and it definitely brought stress down because I didn't have the commute that I did And I could take my daughter to elementary school 35 in the afternoon, which was great flexibility. So for childcare, I never went out in the US. Maybe like one time a year, I would get a babysitter on a Saturday night and go out with my my single friend to dinner. But like Abby was saying, at 15, 20 bucks an hour, it wasn't enjoyable to be at dinner because I was like, and that's not fun. So I definitely didn't have a great balance as far as getting me time at all. So that was
0: part of me wanting to move to Mexico as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll just share what my Life looked like. So I was living in Oakland. I've been self-employed for quite some time. I was writing a book the first like two, three years that Aiden was born. So I was, you know, kind of scrambling, trying to set up like as little child care as possible, like having someone come like between his naps and frantically working and then trying to work while he napped. And then when he finally started daycare, he sort of went like 8 to one thirty, I think it was. And then he would nap until like 3. So I'd work all of that time. And then he'd be awake until like 7 or 8. And then I would, once he went to bed, I would work again from like 8 till like midnight. And that was kind of my regular schedule. And then for me, same. It was like too expensive to go out. I think I probably went out like five times in the first four times, that, four years that he was born <laughs> because I was paying 15 to $20 an hour. The one thing I did allow myself to pay for is, um, I've been practicing Qigong for about 15 years and that is my like ultimate self-care. So I sort of took the debate out of it for myself and no matter what, if my teacher was teaching, I was there. And that was the one thing I kind of gave myself permission to pay for as something for me and I was lucky not to be commuting, obviously, but I was definitely dipping into savings to pay for childcare in order to try and get my book done and get my business launched. I definitely had some help from friends, I would say less than I sort of expected when I was pregnant. And then my family, my parents are very old and not really able to help. And my sister lives a couple hours away and wasn't able to help that much either. So really any help that I was getting, I was paying for. And that was kind of frustrating.
2: Oh yeah, I thought it might be interesting. So Sarah and Jackie, I know that you both... Pre-kid loved to dance. Mm. I thought it'd be interesting to compare. Were you able to go to nurture that love of dancing when you have kids in the United States?
1: I was not so much, at all. Yeah, sadly, no. I'm. I'm not even sure I ever went once.
0: Yeah, and I. They had a couple. There's like this dance salsa by the lake that was during the day in the afternoons, and lots of families went with their kids. So I went to that a couple of times. But I think going out at night dancing, like when I first started dancing, I was going like out like five or six nights a week. And by the time I had it before I had Aiden, I was probably only going out like two times a week to dance. But yeah, that definitely fell away from my life and felt like again, yeah, something I couldn't afford to pay for unless it was like a family-friendly event, which I was lucky there was some of those, but not too many. So moving forward, I wanted to just flash forward and have you guys describe your lives now here in Mexico in contrast. So Abby, do you want to go first?
2: So my children are both in the same school now. They're in a private Waldorf school in Mexico. They take a van to school every day. It's about a 10 minute walk from our house to the van stop. And then I walk home and I have, I think, seven and a half hours to myself every day. (laughs) And I am currently taking a class to become a pediatric sleep consultant. I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner by training. So I'm hoping to start a remote business with that once I finish the course. I also take a Spanish class once a week, private tutoring for 10 bucks an hour and I have been volunteering at CASA, which is an amazing midwifery clinic. I ended up leaving, but I'm hoping that might turn into some pediatric work in the future. Oh, and I'm also working part-time for an online company answering health-related questions for new and expected parents. So I'm working, but not very much. I'm I'm underemployed for the moment, but I am really excited to be starting my own business. The first few months here, it was really nice to have more downtime. And now I feel like I'm a bit more ready to be busy with work. But I also go to an exercise class twice a week. I just started doing yoga a third day a week. I usually have a morning coffee break with moms from my school once a week, often have lunch out once a week with one or both of you guys or other friends in the neighborhood. So I'm much more social than I was before, at least in terms of social things without children. I was pretty social with kids back home, but of course it's different (laughs) having social plans with kids because you're not going to have an uninterrupted conversation. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, so (laughs) So I feel really low, I feel really low stress now. I love, That I have plenty of time with the kids after school and in the evenings and that I still have enough time that I can also have social plans out once or twice a week. The three of us generally have dinner out every Saturday night, which I really look forward to. And since San Miguel is such a great eating town, it's been so much fun trying a new restaurant every week. And that's been really nice for me, especially because I do miss New York City and eating was a thing I love to do in New York, although I rarely got to try new places. So yeah, life feels way less stressful now and more social. And I do feel like I'm also a better parent as a result. I'm more patient and I enjoy my time with my kids more because I am more recharged.
0: Mm -hmm. And Jackie, can you tell us about what your life looks like now here in contrast?
1: Yes. It's definitely different from the United States, but of course, one of the things that has still stayed the same is I still have my job, so I am busy with that during the day, during the week, but we really love it here. We live um, in a condo building that has a pool, so that's been great for my kids and for you guys to come over and go swimming. Um, that's been great socially, so that was nice. We didn't have a pool in Florida, although we had a beach, of course. And, you know, when we first got here the first few weeks, I was just like, I felt like I was dropped into a fairy tale. Uh, we were staying at our Airbnb and it was great. The weather is so wonderful that we would keep the balcony door open 24-7. And there's not a whole lot of bugs here, so not not a whole lot of bugs came in. And it was just nice to hear the bells from the parochia, which is the church here and um, the center square. And of course, we had a beautiful view. So it's really amazing. And I, I would always walk around. There's so many colors here. Um, Mexico is very colorful. San Miguel is very colorful. And the food here is amazing, as Abby said. And one of the biggest things, as Abby had mentioned, that I really love is I have a standing babysitter every Thursday and Saturday evening, which I didn't have in the U.S. because it was hard to afford in the U.S. Our babysitters here are between three U.S. dollars and seven U.S. dollars an hour. So very affordable. So we can have them more often, have a better, more balanced um, life because of that. So that's been one really great thing here to lower stress and have me time. Also, some of the things like getting a massage here or a pedicure here, way cheaper than the U.S. also. Massage is about 20 bucks an hour, uh, pedicure, nine or 10 bucks an hour. So those are nice things to do too. I definitely love the lower cost of living, which I think we all do. Otherwise, I mean, school, my kids go to an International bilingual school here that is in in the um, within the ring road basically so we we can walk from where we live whereas I know Abby's is about 20 minutes drive out of town but ours one of the reasons I chose it is definitely so that we could walk to school. So, I mean, school school drop-off and pick-up kind of looks the same as in the U.S., except for I'm either walking or taking an Uber or cab. But it's kind of early in the morning, and then I pick them up at 2.45-ish, uh, and I work in between usually. But one other thing, like Abby had mentioned, is I'm more social during the week without kids also because people have time for you here. People have time to go to lunch. They're not rushed. People have time to get coffee in the morning and just chat for an hour. And then then I go off to to work, come back home and work remote. And that's just been nice too. People don't have that kind of time in the U.S. Julie, it's been great.
2: That's a really good point, You're six to eight weeks out. And that is just where you get a birthday party invitation on a Wednesday for the following Saturday. And plans are usually made within a week. There is no, there's no social calendars. You just say like, what are you doing tomorrow? It's
1: so nice. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's a huge, like I remember in the first few weeks, I was really late to take Aiden to school, which our school doesn't do any sort of lockout. So it's okay. And there was my neighbor And she started asking me questions and talking and like my first inclination was like, I've got to go. Like I'm in a rush. And I I just felt myself like some things sort of wash over me. And I was like, no, connect, stopping and connecting is what's important here. Like it does not matter if you're late, just calm down and... You know, I just sat and chatted with her on the street corner for a while and sort of got to where got Aiden to school when when it was time or when we were done. And I just feel like in general, yeah, it's like on the weekends we hang out with people and their whole families. Like that's what one of the things that really strikes me is that we are like we often go out to this restaurant that you guys come to that's out in the country where it's very safe for the kids to kind of play on their own, or like we just sit in a big group and various parents kind of jump up and take a turn. like playing and supervising the kids. But oftentimes that's with like couples and whole groups of families, which I feel like I didn't really, I didn't do that much in the US. It was like each parent was like overscheduled or had like running and fitting in their own thing. So they rarely like came together as a whole entire family. And that's something I really love. I'm curious if you guys feel that way.
1: Yeah, just relaxing is more important here to Mexicans. They can just relax and do nothing and just be. And it seems like that's one big thing that's missing in the United States. People don't always just relax on the weekend and just be because there's too many things to do. They don't have housekeepers or cooks or whatever we might have here that makes our lives easier. So they're constantly on the go and schedule.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I really noticed that with birthday parties too, you know, in the United States, they're usually two hours, super scheduled, you know, at this time we'll we'll do the activity then we'll have cake, then we'll have pizza at 2 o'clock sharp, the party is over and here you know, they say this is at two. you show up at 2.30, the party actually starts at 3 and it's still going strong at 8 o'clock When you finally drag your kids home and the adults are sitting around drinking and grilling food and the kids are running around playing, there are no scheduled activities. There might be a bounce house or something, but there's no craft. There's no, it's just, it's, it's a whole family, whole day affair.
1: Mm-hmm. No, yeah. no ending time for the fiestas here. We set an end time in the U.S., but Mexicans never do.
2: <laughs> yeah, and they don't worry about bedtime either.
1: <laughs> nope, nope. Some of our Saturday nights out, we'll be at the restaurants late at night and see whole families there. But the Mexican kids are behaving and sitting <laughs> sitting well, not on Screens and I know my kids would be having a meltdown
2: at that hour. So, <laughs> yeah. As a sleep consultant, I want to say that I do not go along with the Mexican style of bedtime, and my kids. <laughs> bedtime, but I'm a rarity here. <laughs> uh,
0: cultural differences it reminds me of that time, Jackie, when we went out dancing, and it started at 11 p.m. and there was that whole entire family that came in with like a six and a ten year old. And we left at like one (laughs) and the kids were still there. So well behaved. The whole family was dancing. The kids were just watching. It was like a nightclub. It was amazing. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I just wanted to add a few little details about sort of how my life looks here. So my kid is in a school that's probably a 10, 15 minute drive out of town and I drive him myself which cuts into my time pretty radically, but it feels worth it to me. And then I often will have a babysitter in the afternoons so I can get a couple more hours of work done. And then I still kind of have that... After my son goes to bed working, I just have more things I want to do. And luckily, I love what I do. So it's not too hard for me to stay up late and work on stuff. But I have really gotten a very clear routine here where like I go to the farmer's market on Saturday and I get my vegetables and my food and my meat and milk. And then I have a cook that shows up on Mondays and she basically spends four hours and cooks like more food than I can eat in a week usually like end up freezing half of it then we have sort of our routines of what night we go out what days we have babysitters all that kind of stuff we often will like meet up with friends in the afternoon to go to the pool um, and then I'll come home and work again afterwards and then I also have a cleaning lady which I think you guys do too so I'm there I feel like I have actually a very short school day because when we left the US my son was in school um nine to five I could leave him and now it's like By the time I get home from driving, I have like 10 to 130. You know, I just feel like there's, I've taken all these huge things off my list, like cooking and cleaning the house. So it feels like there still feels like there's more time, which is awesome. And then as I mentioned, like on weekends, I feel like I'm doing activities with whole families or, you know, we sometimes we meet at the park sometimes all of us and then wander into town for lunch and meet back up at your pool, Jackie, or I go to another friend's house for a pool and there's big groups of families and kids and just generally a really family oriented life here. And lots of, yeah, just lots of fun. Now I'm, starting with a Spanish tutor who comes to my house. I'm starting to go out dancing again and I'm going to actually start doing private lessons just to have an hour straight of dancing and that teacher will come to my house. Again, those are like, you know, 10 bucks for an hour of Spanish, 10 bucks for an hour of dancing, really cheap childcare. care. So yeah, it's just really nice. Yeah. And another just sort of like, I, I got back from being in the U.S., for a month and I got home to a flat tire and I have this like handyman guy that will help me with stuff. And I texted him and was like, ah, how do I get it fixed? And he was like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. And he came and he picked up my car for me, drove it, got the flat tire fixed and brought it back to me. And I think between the tire getting fixed and his time, I spent like $10. So just stuff like that were (laughs) so simple. I was like, how am I going to deal with this? I have this kid who's jet lagged and we have no food in the house and I can't even drive. And I was just like, ah, this is why I live here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And talking
1: about these expenses that are so much less here in Mexico, I feel like we should say um, healthcare Mm. is so... so much less expensive here too. I remember we, we had to go for an ER visit um, because my daughter thought she broke her elbow again in the same spot that she had in the U.S. the year before from the monkey bars. And we went there and everything, total total bill with an x-ray was like equivalent to 60 American dollars. We're in the U.S., that would have cost me, you know, hundreds if not a thousand something dollars, um, even with insurance. So we do have insurance here, but we pay, out, we pay outright to begin with and um, just affordable, and you don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, should I take them to the ER? I can't afford it. You know, I really don't want to do this. I can remember my kids both had like some kind of cold or something in the US or ear infections. Took them both to our doctor there. Um, and I have insurance through my my company, and just the co-pay each was one hundred twenty five dollars. So there I am, two fifty in just to see the doctor. Mm-hmm. Then they do tests, and then we get the medicine after. So at the end of the day, like five or six hundred bucks, right, just for a cold or ear infection. Whereas here, the first time they both had an ear infection at the same time, actually we went to the doctor. We went to a little more expensive doctor here, and she was like twenty bucks total, and the medicine was maybe ten bucks. So it was like thirty dollars total. I got that all taken care of. Now there is a walk-in doctor here where you can pay like a dollar fifty to see the doctor. So that's even cheaper. But
0: wow. Anyways, I just want to mention that. Yeah. 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 We had a we had an ER visit. Twenty dollars. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: it's those things that you don't have to worry about here really brings your stress level down. And you don't have to worry about if somebody gets sick, how much is this gonna cost me? Because it's it's affordable here, which mm-hmm. is lovely.
0: Yeah, and good quality for the most part. I think it takes a little while to find like that, as in any place, find the doctor that feels like the right fit. But for the most part, I feel like the quality is is really good, and not what we would sort of imagine as like, oh my God, healthcare in Mexico. I can't. I don't know what your guys's thoughts on that are.
1: Right, and I would agree. And one of the doctors, or a couple of the doctors that we've seen, are bilingual, so that's great too. You know, don't have to sit and explain it in Spanish. I know one was actually. Educated and did her medical schooling in the US, um, even though she was from Mexico. So, yeah, I mean, so far we've had pretty good quality healthcare. I don't know if Abby <laughs> agrees, totally. <laughs>
2: I've I've, um, struggled a little bit with the healthcare. I mean, everyone is lovely, but but I I do think Mexico is a few years behind America in terms of the protocols for handling certain conditions. As I mentioned, I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner, so I'm perhaps a little too well educated. And then my daughter had a health issue actually while we were in the States for Thanksgiving and the doctors in Mexico have not been following the protocol that the doctors in the United States have used. And I also felt like... They handled a health issue that I had with medicines that were 20 years old. Mm. So I've not been 100% comfortable with the healthcare here, but I think for the most common things that you're going to encounter, I think it's mostly fine. They're definitely antibiotic happy here. So don't bother going to the doctor with a virus unless you want to be given a prescription for antibiotics, which. As a healthcare provider and from the States, it's hard for me. But luckily, I don't need to go to the doctor very often. I do think if my kids had something like appendicitis or an ear infection, they would be able to handle it. And I'm actually having a procedure done at the end of May to remove a benign tumor on the back of my shoulder which I think is going to be about 12,000 pesos, which is $600. And that'll be a several hour visit with two doctors. So certainly affordable. And I don't have any significant concerns about their ability to do the procedure that when I saw the dermatologist before she did a skin check on me and spent over an hour with me and was incredibly thorough. So I think she's really great, and I'm just a general physician for myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Two other things I wanted to mention, different from the U.S. healthcare wise, is they make house calls. Not all the doctors, but some of the doctors will make house calls here. There was a time when I was pretty uh, sick, had some kind of stomach issue and Abby came over and saved the day and watched my kids for a little bit. But I had a doctor come to me and I got a prescription and the people in my building that work at the front front door, they actually went out and got me the prescription, which was nice and brought it back to me. So that was all really great stuff that doesn't happen in the US. And the other thing is... Everybody uses WhatsApp around here, which is kind of like a instant messenger, kind of like texting, but it's just um, they use it a lot here. And um, the doctor will give you their number and you can directly message the doctor and they will respond. Um, I mean, depending on the doctor, but I've, I've had doctors. That's how I make an appointment sometimes is I message the doctor and or I'll ask them a question and they respond. So that's really nice, too. You'd never have your doctor's Home phone number to their cell phone, you know, in the U.S. Yeah, (laughs) right.
2: Definitely true. And um, just to compare costs, I'm paying eighteen hundred dollars a year for insurance for the three of us, which covers everywhere in the world except the United States. So I do need travel insurance or some kind of policy for when we go back home to visit. But I know some people pay hundreds or even thousands of dollars for health insurance every month. So it's eighteen hundred for the year.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Totally amazing. So I want to switch gears a little and talk about sort of when, the, like the very first time you entertained the thought of moving abroad. I know, Jackie, you sort of mentioned it. You said even when you were, I can't remember if you said it was when you were trying to conceive or just when your kids were really young. Maybe you could kind of talk about how the the thought sort of first started trickling into your mind and and how that sort of started to evolve. If you want to go first, Jackie. Okay.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I can even remember, you know, maybe in like junior high or high school, when you talk with your friends about, you know, oh, when I have kids, blah, blah, blah. I can remember saying back then, oh, I want my kids to be bilingual. And I don't even really know where that came from. It's not like my family traveled a lot and we definitely didn't go out of the country or anything. I never went out of the country until I was 18. But I think I always had this, uh, adventurous spirit a little bit and and knew that I wanted my kids to to learn another language at a young age. And then as I got older and Ava was born, I really liked the idea of immersion. And so I can remember from even when my oldest was a baby wanting to move to Mexico. And at the time, I kind of decided um, and researched a lot on Merida, Mexico, which is in the Yucatan. And um, I was an independent consultant back then. And I was talking to a company and they were about to get, possibly get a remote contract, a one-year remote contract. And they wanted to hire me for that if they got that client. Now it turned out in the end, they didn't get that client, but it took a while. And I was kind of planning, okay, if I get this client for a year, we're going to move to Merida. So I had even thought about it back then, which is now, you know I guess like seven, seven, eight years ago. Hmm. And then after that, I always had office jobs, so it wasn't going to happen until like I'd been Mentioned before about two and a half, three years ago, I got this remote work job. And so that's when in my head I was like, okay, this is the first step to me moving abroad. And I had researched companies and countries, not companies. Um, and I went I knew I wanted to move to Latin America somewhere, a Spanish speaking country. I needed to stay around the same time zone as the US because I do have clients in the US um, that I have to work for during US hours but I was really big on Costa Rica at the beginning. I was I was researching Costa Rica for a good year. And then it kind of came out that there were already a lot of expats there. It was already expensive. Some stuff was even more expensive than the US. And in my head, I was like, well, I want to make this a money-saving thing too. So I'm not sure I want to go to Costa Rica. So then Panama, I was on that for a little bit. And then eventually, I just kind of came back to Mexico as being the closest to the U.S., the easiest to get to travel-wise. And I'd spent the most time in Mexico. I hadn't been to those other countries yet, but I'd been to Mexico a lot. So I really felt the most comfortable here. I knew I loved the culture. I knew I loved the food. So I kind of researched cities in Mexico after that, once I narrowed it to the country. And we already lived at the beach in Florida. So I was like, okay, well, I don't have to live at the beach. I can live in somewhere, I want to live somewhere with great weather, an an expat community, a place that was safe, of course. And, you know, when I came across San Miguel de Allende, it just kind of checked all those boxes. It had everything. It had the several kids, schools for kids, international school, a lot of schools. So... So Abby and I decided to, we were talking, our messenger, our messages that we that we had back then. And we kind of decided to do a scouting trip to San Miguel the summer before we actually did move here. And we came and we met here and we were here for about 10 days and we really liked it. And then, let's see, <laughs> I I couldn't move that year right after the summer because I had my house on the market. And if it was going to sell, then I would have moved, but it never ended up selling. So I took it off the market. Kind of, uh, We started school in the U.S. that year. And then come about maybe January, I knew I needed to make a decision if we were going to move that next summer. And a couple of things happened that I feel like really caused me to make the decision like, hey, okay, we're going to do this now. If I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And one of those things is one of my my friends, her age, passed away suddenly. And that was really kind of a wake-up call. Like, you don't have forever. You don't know how much longer you have. Do this. If this is something that you want, do it. And then one other, a former coworker, it was a similar thing. His wife, young, in her 50s, ended up getting cancer and passed away shortly after that. It was like January, all in January that year, summer in January. And that's part of really what made me make the decision. Like, okay, we're, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the steps to make it happen. I just need to figure out what I need to do. And we're going to go, we're going to go that summer. And then we did, we moved that summer in Abby, you and Sarah came too a couple months
0: later last summer. So that's awesome. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. And Abby, can you cover kind of the same? What was the what was kind of the first inkling of the thought, and how that developed into you actually moving and deciding on San Miguel?
2: So it's funny because I actually don't remember Jackie and I talking about it when our kids were super young. I just know that she was on a conversation with a third SMC mom talking about international travel, and she invited me into the conversation and at that point I was really happy with my job at the school but I had summers off and so I thought great yeah let's talk about immersion travel I have the whole summer we could do something great and then I'll just keep my job which I wanted to keep in part because my kids could go there and it's a it's a very, very desirable I think they would have the opportunity to go there by me working there. And then I remember, so I remember it slightly differently than Jackie in that I remember we were talking about let's do a trip somewhere and we were looking at different language schools, I think one in Costa Rica, one in Panama for a summer trip and then the language program for kids that looked the best was San Miguel. And so I don't remember thinking at that point that I was going to move there, but who knows? It's hard to remember now, but we ended up coming to San Miguel, but not doing the language school, which is sort of funny. So maybe by the time we got here, I was already thinking about it.
1: Yeah, because remember, you lost your, you guys lost your job for like, like a week they can have a job and then you got it back or whatever. But then you're like, maybe we will move (laughs) here.
2: My job lost its funding so many times, which is definitely, and then we'd get it back and we'd get our jobs back. So that was definitely a part of my decision was I was just over it. But I think when we first started talking about it, I wasn't really thinking about moving. But then when I lost my job, actually, my boss had told me I thought I was going to listen. And then me, that was suddenly a flip, a switch flipped in my head. And I just thought, I'm done. But the idea of getting another job in New York just sounded exhausting. I had been in my job for 12 years and couldn't imagine starting over and investing in a new community. I was just really burnt out. So I started thinking more seriously about Mexico I remember going for a pedicure in New York, actually, and speaking Spanish with the person who was doing my pedicure. And it just made me so happy. And in that moment, I just knew. I was going to move to Mexico. And initially I was hoping to just do it for a year and take a uh, and ask for a sabbatical for my job and my my immediate boss my clinical supervisor was supportive of that but unfortunately HR said I couldn't do it. And so when she said no, I knew that my choice was clear. I was going to pull the plug and quit and just, you know, take the leap and hope that the net would appear. And it did. Yay.
0: So the choice to move to San Miguel wasn't it doesn't sound like it was as Like you sort of followed on Jackie's kind of momentum a little, would you say, or did you,
2: yeah, Yeah,
1: you know, uh, I'm the researcher. <laughs> yeah, Jackie
2: is more of a researcher than me. I felt like I would have been so overwhelmed if I started from ground zero of like research everywhere in the world and pick one. So <laughs> um, I already had it
1: done. So she yeah,
2: Jackie had already done it, and I <laughs> thought, okay, well, why not? There, it it had the things that I wanted. I I would not have considered moving to Merida because it's very hot and humid. So the beautiful weather here, some retirees that there was two high-quality hospitals here. And then when we did a scouting trip in April, I did just with my kids, which was incidentally the first time I had traveled truly alone with my children. And it was uh, really scary, but it ended up being great. I mean, scary when I was planning it. Once we got here, it was wonderful. So I came here because the Waldorf school I was interested in. And I was interested in it because my nephew had started at a Waldorf school and was really thriving there. The Waldorf school requires a three-day visit. So we had to come, we came for two weeks and the kids spent three days at the Waldorf school. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. And the kids seemed really happy as well. I had, you know, I'd been at the school in Brooklyn for so long because it seemed like, such a dreamy place. And then it didn't end up being a great fit for my daughter. And so that was a big impetus for me to move as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we came here for spring break so that my kids could do a three-day visit at the Waldorf school. And we just fell in love with it. And the really large urban school in Brooklyn that she'd been going to hadn't been such a great fit So that was a huge piece of it for me as well, Mm -hmm. seeing that she could thrive here. So it just seemed like, like, well, why not San Miguel as opposed to somewhere else? It it has everything we need and I have to pick something.
0: Mm -hmm. Nice. So I remember that I... I think it, for me, it the first time I... Started, I had always wanted to live abroad. And I remember when I decided to get pregnant, it was like one of the things... I had lived abroad in my life, but I had always wanted to live somewhere. I had gone to Australia and England in the past and lived for a year, almost a year in each place and had still wanted to like move to India or Bali or something like that. And when I got pregnant, I was like, okay, well, I guess that's going to be put on hold for a really long time. And then I remember right when I was about to start paying for preschool and it was sort of at that crossroads, I remember thinking to myself, like, this is ridiculous. Like preschool is almost $20,000 a year. What am I doing here? But my book was coming out that year and I was so deep into the publishing process and writing that it just felt absolutely impossible to move. And so it wasn't until the next year I actually signed the contract for preschool to come back the next year. I think that was in early February or late Jan, maybe late January. But it just I was like, what am I doing? And I think it first came up. I was like, you know what? It's the height of the housing market in the Bay Area. Maybe I should think about whether I would sell my house and move somewhere cheaper. And I started kind of going through like what cities I might move to in the US and essentially realized that none of them were really significantly cheap enough to me, like to warrant uprooting my entire life. But Mexico felt like it would be like, it's so much radically cheaper that it made a difference to like, it felt worth the uprooting of my life. And my son, I had come to Mexico to do IVF uh, or egg donor IVF. So I was, Already. I just love Mexico. I'd been to Mexico several times. I just love Latin culture. I'd traveled a ton to Cuba and other, you know, South America and Mexico. So it was always something, a place that I had always just liked the people and liked the culture and had also always had that desire. In the US, I was always looking for a bilingual school and I hadn't found one that I liked. And that was like a really big sadness for me because I really wanted my wanted him in a bilingual school, but the school that I loved, which was Reggio Emilia based, was not, was not bilingual. So that was always like, ah, I love the school, but this one big butt. And then I think I was talking to, with one of my close friends who's an SMC in the Bay Area, and she was like, I'm moving to Costa Rica. And I was like, What? Like, and I don't think of her as like a super adventurous kind of take risks kind of person. So it kind of just really like stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, you know what? I really have to think about this. So she and I started talking about it. And then she was the person who tagged me on the conversation on the single moms travel group that you guys were on. And I was like, just started doing math and was like, what am I doing here? (laughs) This makes no sense. And when I realized how much I could rent my house for, that was a really big piece of the puzzle of like realizing that it almost felt to me like it came to a place of... I can't not do this because it is the smartest financial move on the planet. And I had coincidentally heard exactly. of San Miguel. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I had heard of San Miguel. Ironically, I had stayed with my friend in Tulum when I was doing the donor egg IVF in Mexico, in Cancun. And she had this guest chef program and the guest chef was one of the big shot chefs here in San Miguel. And so he was at, we were at the resort at the same time for an entire week. And I kept hearing him tell people he was from San Miguel and everyone would respond like, oh. San Miguel. Oh my God. It's amazing. I can Oh, wow. And I remember asking my friend who owned the hotel. I was like, what is this San Miguel place? And she sort of described it to me briefly. And then I never thought of it again. And then as soon as I... But I kind of... I, that's not true, actually. I did think of it. I sort of had it always like tucked away in the corner of my mind of like, I've got to research this place if I ever decide that I want to move abroad. And so then ironically on that thread there you guys were and you're like we're moving to San Miguel so that and then I was like hmm I think this is a good place and then I am a a researcher as well so then I did my research And kind of all the exact same points came up, like good schools, good weather. My son is horribly affected by mosquitoes, like not a crazy mosquito problem, nice year-round weather. And one of the big things I found was one of the largest expat family communities. um, And that felt important to me. So again, it ticked all the boxes. And I think I decided, I think I announced it to everyone that I was going to do it. I think I first thought about it in, like seriously thought about it in end of January. And by my birthday, February 26th, I told everyone at my birthday party that I was moving. So it was a really fast decision. And then I got here August 15th, of that same year. So I wanted to also next ask you guys, so what was the process of kind of winding up your life and moving and any advice you would give to people around what that process was like and, and how you approached it? Abby, do you want to go first?
2: Sure. So the winding down process was, it was really a long, it was a lot of work and a lot of time. In hindsight, it's hard to remember why it all took so long. I think if anyone else is thinking about doing this, my biggest piece of advice would be start getting rid of things now. That was definitely by far the biggest project was just downsizing massively. So I donated a lot of things. I gave away a lot of things. And then I moved what was left into storage Except for the things that we brought with us. We brought seven suitcases here. And even of those things, you know, I brought two suitcases of toys and my kids play with like 20% of it. So (laughs) get rid of far more than you think you should and then get rid of some more because you'll be amazed at how little kids really need. My kids play with about six things. And I put most of my furniture in storage, even though it's not expensive, just because furnishing an apartment, again, would be expensive, even though, you know, most of the pieces aren't valuable. So if I stay here beyond two years, I will go back to my storage locker in Brooklyn and get rid of almost everything and then put a a few final things in my brother's basement. But those are mostly sentimental items like artwork from my dad. So I had to sell my car, find storage, figure out health insurance, figure out the school. I mean, those were the big things. And then, of course, find a renter for my apartment in Brooklyn, which is like Sarah mentioned. And I think Jackie as well, you know, having a renter in my place at home has definitely helped cover the cost of living here. Mm -hmm. So it took me a few months all in and I had a spreadsheet with all the different items. But having said that, I know Sarah, you're offering a support group for folks who are planning a move down here. And I definitely think someone coaching me through the process would have been helpful.
0: Yeah. I feel like I started the group because for me, it felt like I always talk about it as like three jobs. One was getting my place ready to rent. I mean, my house was built in 1904, so it's got some funkiness and, you know, there's all those little things for me, like worrying about water damage was one of the most. So I wanted everything sealed and everything perfect. So there was a huge project of getting stuff done. Then there was like the actually getting out of my house and streamlining my stuff and getting rid of it. And then there was the whole like how to get to Mexico, finding a place to live there, temporary residency, health insurance, which I never even dealt with. So it felt like these like three like each one of them was a massive project in and to themselves. And one of the, I feel like for me, one of the hardest times or one of the most stressful, like biggest projects I had pulled off in my life, even after having spent... I mean, I I feel like it's amazing how much we forget because I'm sure that getting pregnant and realizing I was infertile was more intense. But going through this felt like it was of the same magnitude. It was pretty intense for me, I thought. How about you, Jackie?
1: Totally. I knew I was going to move at the end of June. And so come February, I knew I really had to be on it almost every weekend, trying to purge things. Um, it's amazing how much we collect with having babies. The whole industry with you need this, 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 and this. That you don't know, have the things you really don't need, but you buy them because it's your first baby and. I had so many things, you know, stored out in the garage that I hadn't consigned or whatever yet. Yeah, definitely the purging. Um, great advice from Abby to start the purging now. Whether it's giving it away, selling it, you know, there's Facebook groups to sell online. Um, we had big consignment sales, children's consignment sales. I got rid of a ton of stuff that way, and I ended up giving a lot of it away um, in the end. And then I do also had a storage unit um, for the rest for the rest of it. But yeah, exactly. Setting up all the stuff like where my mail's gonna go now. I have an online service that gets my mail and then they scan it and then that comes to me. But honestly, I don't get much mail anymore. You just change the way that you do things. You know, online billing. Everything is moved to online. Um, getting insurance set up here, getting the insurance stopped in the U.S.
2: That was a really good point. Switch everything to paperless. <laughs>
1: and yes, I good point. Like every
2: piece of paper except for like birth certificates, basically.
1: Oh, yeah. And Abby and I remember both signed up for this service that if you pay them like a dollar or something, they go, remember that, Abby? They go and they send something to all these junk mail places oh, yeah, yeah, that are yeah. supposed to stop oh, your mail from yeah. coming to you. So I don't know if it totally worked. I mean, I think it did. I don't get much mail anymore, but that was a, a great idea too. I think you, you came up with that. Yeah, we both
2: got that scanner app on our phone, so we just scanned everything and then sh- and threw everything away. Do you
1: remember that? Yes, I still use the scanner app on my phone. Mm-hmm. It's a free app, or maybe it was only like a dollar or something. But I scanned all our important documents and bills, just anything that I would need that I didn't have room to keep as a hard copy. I had mm-hmm. it digitally with easy access from the phone. Mm. But yeah, just tying up everything in the U.S., you know, it was very stressful. It was a lot of work. It was not fun. And I agree with you, Sarah, that I remember saying to both of you, this is way harder than when I was trying to get pregnant as an SMC because that was an easy decision, first of all. This was a harder decision. And just to figure out the logistics of how it was all going to work, very hard. I remember one thing that weighed on me a lot was whether I was going to sell my house or rent it. And I hadn't bought it as a rental. It was a beautiful, nice new house right by the beach. And I, I was emotionally attached to it. So in the end, what worked for me is figuring out that it's not the right time for me to sell this, but I can get past renting it. Um, I had to get over the fact that, you know, renters might destroy my wood floor or, I don't know, <laughs> just all those little things uh, that, that, that might happen. And in, at the end of the day, I had great renters this year and it all worked out. And like you, both of you, it was a great income. It paid my mortgage and then some. So it helps me here, too. Mm-hmm. So that's my story. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I I just remember also like people around me while I was going through it sort of being like, what if you're not making the right choice? And I just kept saying to them, like, I'll move back or like I can afford to rent something from the rent of my house. Like if I absolutely hate it, I can come back. Or I can move cities or, you know, that kind of thing. Because I think it's it's easy to get caught up in the kind of the naysayers around you, especially when it's so hard to get out. Yeah,
1: exactly. And what if, I mean, what? how about thinking positive to them? Like, what if it does go right? Mm. What if it is amazing, you know, mm. instead of yeah, listening to all the naysayers and about the dangers of Mexico or whatever. And you definitely can't listen to people who aren't on the ground living there who have never even been to Mexico. What do they know? Mm-hmm. That's why we join these great Facebook groups in for Mexico and for the city Mexico expats and for the city that we're in here. And those are the people that are here on the ground. So, mm-hmm. it you know, listen to them. Don't listen to the naysayers.
0: Yeah. And how satisfied do you guys feel like you've been with life here? I know we both, we all sort of sung its praises of all the like parts that are easier. But just sort of as a general, how would you say how satisfied you are with the choice you made and where you're at and how it's how it's unfolding?
2: I'm overall very satisfied. I just love the different pace of life here. I don't feel like I've figured it all out yet. You know, I think I'll be even more satisfied if I can get a successful business off the ground. There are certainly things that are challenging about it, but as we continue to hear more and more stories of school shootings back in the States I honestly have no regrets about my decision.
1: Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And you, Jackie?
1: I'm very happy here. I've loved it from the beginning. I've always loved Mexico. At some point, it stopped being like a long vacation and it did start being real life. So at some point, maybe six months in, I think we all a little bit maybe experienced some homesickness, um, missing where we lived before, missing our friends there, that kind of thing. So it was nice. I think most of us, we went back at Thanksgiving and visited and that was really great. Overall, I'm really happy. I can't say much bad about it. Um, we have had some stomach issue stuff around here, which isn't fun. <laughs> I don't love the early school start time of my school and the other international school here. You both know that. That's one of my things I don't like. Um, starts about an hour earlier than our school in the US. And honestly, uh, you guys both know this, but my daughter, my she was seven when we moved to eight now. She had a rougher adjustment than I expected, like much, much harder adjustment than I expected. And part of that was due to a sickness. Um, She was sick for about four months. Part of it, I didn't know what was going on. And then when it finally got diagnosed, it was also hard to get rid of. So that for me probably has changed things a little bit. And as you know, I'm possibly moving back this summer in the next couple of months, moving back to the U.S. Um, But it's not because I don't love San Miguel um, and all the things here. And I mean, this is the fastest community that we've ever made here. You know, you guys first, of course. But you know, with expats, everyone's kind of in the same situation. Everyone wants to make friends with other families, have kids for their kids to play with. Everyone wants to meet people, which is different from the U.S. when people already have their friends and maybe they're a little more closed off to to meeting and hanging out or they're too busy and, and people here aren't.
0: Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. And I would say I've been really happy. I feel so much more relaxed. And just generally, I feel like I walked into this like there was a pre-screening of the people who move here because it takes a certain type of person to kind of put your life on hold or give up like the status quo and move somewhere completely differently. So I feel like there's already that similarity with all the people. So even though there's a lot less people to meet, it's a really small town, both Mexicans and expats, but there there's, I don't know, there's just this underlying similarity that I feel like we all have. So it's been very easy to make friends and to really feel connected with people. And, Our school here is in its beginning stages, but I've been really, really involved in getting it, in putting in my input. And I feel like we're like building now my ultimate dream school of like a Reggio Emilia project-based school. And, you know, I would pay thousands and thousands, you know, $20,000, $30,000 a year to have the equivalent school in the U.S. So that feels really awesome. And then, yeah, every time I see a school shooting... like that you know people complain about the safety of mexico and worry but i think we're in a pretty safe place and the violence that there is is very targeted and feels also very similar to what i was dealing with in oakland with a lot of gang violence but the thing that you're not going to ever get here at least as far as i can tell i don't think there has ever been a mass shooting in mexico in the same way of like walking into a school and shooting kids and that Like I, sometimes I waver of what I want to do and I always come back to that as like, oh my God, we are so much safer here. And yeah, it makes it hard to feel like I could ever go back.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, just in the last week, all these recent school shootings in the US has definitely made me question my decision to move back. So, I mean, you know, if you talk about your heart versus your head, like, you know, the logical thing to do. And in my head, like, it's not smart to move back. Why would I ever do that? It's not a good financial decision, blah, 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 all of that. But in my heart, I miss our beach life there. I miss our friends there. Um, My kids miss their friends there. My oldest daughter asks constantly um, about going back so I had to do what was in my heart, what I felt more mm-hmm. than what is the more thing, the thing that would make sense to do. Uh, mm-hmm. most yeah.
2: Yeah. And I just want to say, like, I don't think your decision to move back is in any way a failure or it means that your decision to come here was wrong. Like you had a great experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, exactly. I've wanted to do this for a long time, almost, almost a decade now. It's been in my head that I want to do this. So I feel like I, I accomplished what I, what I went to do. You know, I did it. We all did it, you know. We we made it happen, and we moved here, and I've had this great experience, and so have my children. That's invaluable, and I'm really thankful for that. And I'm okay with having that experience for a year. I don't have to have it for two or three years. It's been great and I'm glad I did it. And now I feel like because I've done it, I won't have this nagging thing, you know, that I'm not just, you know, okay with being being in Florida, living our life there. Like I've done this. So I feel like that's what allows me to go back and then be content with with my life there.
0: Nice. Abby, do you have any thoughts right now of how long you think you're going to stay here in Mexico?
1: Good question.
2: My apartment is rented out in Brooklyn for two years. So we have a bit more than a year to go on that. And, you know, I'm really kind of giving myself permission to not make a decision right now. I think a lot will depend on how my work is going. I would have to be making a lot more money to be able to go back to Brooklyn and not work a full-time job again. Mm -hmm. So I'm inclined to stay here in Mexico unless I'm, you know, my business just takes off and I can afford to go back to Brooklyn and not work the crazy hours I was working before. I do miss Brooklyn and I miss our community there greatly. And I don't feel like I have the intensity of the bonds that I had built there over many years. But I think net net, my kids are better off here in a slower environment, a slower pace environment where I can work fewer hours and I have made a lot of friends here. I think it's very easy to meet people. It just takes time. And perhaps, you know, the bonds that I have with friends back home that were made, you know, when my kids were born or even earlier, it's it's not necessarily possible to duplicate that and that's okay. And it'll always be special and we'll always go back and visit. But I think for right now, for my family, it seems like being here is is the best, you know, is the best possible choice.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's very bizarre. I have, I made my, like in my own internal commitment to stay for two years, having lived abroad in the past, I felt like it took me a year to really feel even remotely settled. So I kind of had that experience from the past and knew that I wouldn't feel like I had given it like a full try unless I tried at least two years. And I feel like one of the weirdest things for me is not knowing if I'm going to go back or not. I feel like I'm I think I may stay here indefinitely, but I don't really know and it's 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 definitely I don't know it, it's it's different than anything I've ever done before where I just really don't know what's next. but my suspicions are that we'll be here long term because I feel like you Abby, unless my business, Like I have to make so much money to make, to save for college and retirement and provide the life that feels comfortable for my kids, that it feels really difficult to be able to provide that in the U.S. And as I said, the sort of the danger of the school shooting piece of it also always comes up for me when I'm thinking about going back. So one last question I wanted to, or I guess two more questions. So one, I know we've sung Mexico's praises and living abroad, but I want to make sure we cover sort of the warts and the hard parts as well. So what do you guys think are the hardest parts of living in Mexico?
2: Jackie, why don't you go first so that you can talk about the stomach stuff?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't want to go into too much detail on the stomach stuff. Uh, (laughs) Um, But you know, it's it's definitely harder here. There's no USDA of Mexico here, so there's different food quality standards here, and because of that, and just because of the bacteria and different things that Americans uh, or United Statesians <laughs> aren't okay. used to, you can get really sick. And like I said, I never just—I mean, I, I thought maybe we would get sick and have something for a couple days or whatever. But my daughter actually got really sick at the beginning. Just to share with you, yeah, she, she had a parasite and I didn't know... And it, w- it was awful. And when it finally got diagnosed, I was like, oh my gosh. And, and I felt horrible for not knowing for two months that that's what it was. And then we went through the first medicine and it didn't work and she didn't taste good and she, she refused to take it. And it was just really hard. Eventually she got rid of it. But that's definitely been one of the really hard things for our family here. But I, I think possibly all, most families go through that. And then I've heard, you know, after your first year, then your, your stomach gets uh, more used to all the bugs around here and, and there's not so many issues. But um, that's been one hard thing. I'm trying to think of the other things. Um, I know Abby didn't. She's used to New York City, but in the U.S., I always had a car and drove everywhere. So that's definitely been a change for me. But I don't I don't really think that's necessarily been a bad thing. I got back down to my pre-pregnancy weight here just in the first few months because I was walking everywhere um, just because I had to logistically. I had to walk more. And it's it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable to be outside more. Than I was in the U.S. Maybe paying your bills. I know we had mentioned a lot of the (laughs) bills you can't pay online here. You have to actually go to the place. It's like 1950s U.S. You have to actually go to the place to pay the bill. But that's such a negative for me. I mean, again, it gets me out. I kind of don't mind it so much. There's just less conveniences. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. I can't think of really any much other bad stuff. Maybe it's very dry here. And I was used to the humidity of Florida. So sometimes my skin feels a lot more dry (laughs) than it did in the U.S. And it it gets really dusty here because it doesn't really rain at all, like not even once for six months of the year here, basically the fall and winter. Doesn't rain at all. So it gets really dusty and then there's some of that dust that gets in the air. So I know some people that have like asthma or breathing problems, that that can be an issue here. That's all I can think of, really. Maybe the language barrier, but I don't even think that's too big of an issue because like you said, there's a huge expat community. So, you know the city a little bit caters to English speaking people somewhat. And I think we've all made a huge effort to learn Spanish while we're here. I know since I knew I was going to move, I did Duolingo a lot um, before I came and really practiced on it before I came. I did a school here at the beginning when I first got here. And now I have a tutor that comes twice a week. So we get by with the Spanish.
0: So it's no, it's not a huge deal. Awesome. And Abby, anything you would add? Well, it's
2: interesting, you know, again, with my medical background, although i I'm definitely aware of the dusty, dry air. New York was so bad for asthma. And I don't know a single child here who has asthma. So I think the air quality is definitely an issue for some folks, but it seems like it's more targeted to the older folks. I think for retirees, especially folks with COPD or heart issues, that the altitude plus the air quality could be an issue. You know, I know that stomach stomach issues plague people in general. I think even Mexicans, some of them just take an antibiotic once a year to make sure that they don't have anything. We've been pretty lucky. My older daughter, well, she ended up having a health issue unrelated to Mexico when we went back to the United States. She had an autoimmune thing, a short, short-lived, but it was stressful that I couldn't find a doctor here that knew how to handle it. So that was hard. Um, and she did have some stomach issues, and I'm not sure if it's from that autoimmune issue or from a parasite I ended up treating her with diatomaceous earth, which is like a sort of a natural remedy. And that did seem to help. I, th- I think, you know, one of the hardest parts was she was not happy to be here. I think the nature of being a kid is that you don't really get a vote in where your parents decide to live, but that's <laughs> automatically going to predispose you to not really liking the new place. I mean, hopefully you do, but the lack of control in, in a parental move is tough. And, you know, my daughter was homesick and I felt bad about that. And I think especially when she wasn't feeling well and, my two kids were raised with this other family that they saw every single day for their entire lives and that was really really tough but that would have been true if we had moved anywhere that wasn't specific to mexico
0: and has has that resolved at all abby has she was that pretty early on or is that still persisting with your older daughter
2: you know it took about 6 months and they came to visit in february and it was great to see them but i think when they left my daughter felt a sense of resolve, a resolution rather about it. And I actually did too, I'd miss them so much. And I don't know if we just hit some point in the timeline where we were we were okay or something changed here, but after they left, we both felt good and like we were okay. And mm. I think she was getting healthier as well physically. and. I don't feel nearly as homesick now as I did before. Mm -hmm. I do think the homesickness is the hardest part and, or was for me. And, you know, I think it's important, like I mentioned with Jackie, that, you know, you can come here for a year and have an experience and then move somewhere else or go back home and nothing has to be forever.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. And can you guys talk a little bit, I know a lot of women on the forums and stuff and a lot of people I've talked to sort of, I hear a lot of people say like, oh, I want to wait till my kid gets older to move. Mm -hmm. And I like intuitively was like, no, I've got to move as early as possible because I feel like it will be easier for my child to make the adjustment. What are your thoughts on when is sort of the ideal time to move with kids?
2: I think you're right. I definitely think that the older it is, the harder it's going to be, at least for my family. My younger daughter was three and a half when we moved here. She had never gone to school before. Well, she'd been like a two morning a week pre, uh, preschool program, but and she just jumped right into school. She was really ready to start. She had had a Spanish speaking nanny, so she understood some Spanish, and she loves speaking Spanish. She's a little sponge. She's, I would say, after a year in school, pretty much fluent. Spanish now. And although she says she wants to go to Brooklyn, I think she's extremely happy here. Mm -hmm. My older daughter, who is seven and a half now, language acquisition was much slower. And I think not being able to understand what people are saying is just inherently stressful and hard Mm -hmm. and makes you feel isolated and lonely. So
0: the sooner the better. Mm -hmm. And Jackie?
1: Yes, I completely agree. I think there's a sweet spot to move the ages between maybe about three and five or three and six years old because... Both Abby and I had the girls that were seven years old, the, our oldest, and they both had, uh, you know, some trouble, a lot more trouble than I than I thought she was going to have adjusting. But my son, when we moved, was he was four, but he was almost five. He turned five a couple months after we got here, and he's had no trouble whatsoever. I mean, it's it's been great. Even his learning of the language, getting along with the kids, everything here, he's definitely been the fastest learner mm-hmm. and has no issue. Mm-hmm. He loves it. So when they get a little older, six or seven, they're a little more resistant. So I say do it as early as you can.
0: Mm -hmm. And so in closing, what advice would you give to other women who are contemplating either moving to Mexico, moving to San Miguel, or moving just out of the country to another country? Abby, I'll start with you.
2: Well, maybe I'll think of more things when Jackie speaks up, but the biggest thing that I found was just this mental block about feeling like we're supposed to stay and we're supposed to be in the United States and we're supposed to be putting money into our 401ks and into our college funds and feeling like it's okay to take a step back and reassess our values and I, you know, I think what made me realize I wanted to leave was talking to a friend of mine who was retiring. He was 65 and he was talking about the world tra- travel he wanted to do. And I thought, wait a minute, I don't want to wait 25 years to do that travel. I want to live that life now. And I want to do it with my kids while they still are young enough to want to spend time with me. Mm-hmm. And the money part, well, I'll figure it out. I, I really believe that, if you can open your mind up to uh, creative solutions, that there's a there, there's a way to do it, and you know what? If it turns out I'm wrong, then we'll go back and I'll get another job, and and that'll be okay too.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome advice. Jackie, what would you? What advice would you give to women?
1: Yeah, great advice, Abby. I, I really agree. We don't have to do, we don't have to follow the path that society tells us we have to follow. And us as SMCs, we've already, we've already done that. We've already gone against what they tell us we have to do. And we've had these children on our own. So I feel like it's even easier for us to make this decision outside of the box to do something different than what other people do. And I don't even necessarily think that you have to have a job to do it If you, because the cost of living is so much less in Mexico or some of these Latin American countries or Bali or whatever. you If you have a house that you own in the U.S., you could rent it out um, and you can live on that rental money or you could do something on the side. I also have a, a smaller side business. I do Amazon affiliate work and have a couple of websites and that gets, generates a little bit of income, which it was really only a little Income in the US to live. But here, it, it's even though it's, you know, a few hundred bucks up to a thousand, that makes a significant difference here. I mean, in some of the cities here, not San Miguel necessarily, but some of the cities here, the rent is only 250 or $300 a month for a nice house, three bedroom, two bathroom house. San Miguel, a little bit more. You can find something for under a thousand, maybe 700 750 Anyways, you, you could live off of that rental income. Um, so if you have anything like that that you can get set up in the US, you can do this. Don't feel like you have to have a traditional job mm-hmm. There's more in
2: remote jobs online too, so if you have a skill, don't assume that you can't find a way to
1: to work online remote, right? Yeah, there are several companies that you can teach English if you're a native English speaker. You can teach English to children online on the other side of the world, and we have friends here that do that, and you can make you know several hundred, two thousand to two thousand dollars a month doing that, and that's enough to live here even if it's not enough to live in the u s. So there's a lot of people that we know that do that kind of thing Mm -hmm. some require a four-year degree not necessarily in english or anything and some don't so you can look into different um, things like that to do remotely Mm -hmm. and then just the one other thing that abby mentioned as advice is a if you think you're going to do this, start purging now because it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. You don't even know how much stuff you've collected in your house, out in the closet, in the garage, everywhere. There's so much stuff that we wait mm-hmm. out there and just so start getting rid of it. It'll feel good too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank you both so much for joining me. It's been so much fun. I have heard most of your stories before, but it's just really fun to go through this and dive into the detail and share it with other women who are thinking of doing something outside of the box. So thank you so much. Thank
2: you, Sarah.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Thanks everyone for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with the three of us as much as I did. And you may remember Abby mentioned that I am doing some coaching for women who are thinking about... Making a move to Mexico or anywhere in the world. So, if you'd like to join either a support group or get some private coaching with me, just have a support system, there's a lot to do to move abroad. There's a lot to think about when you're trying to make the move. So, hop on over to my website and you can find links for information about that. Or, as with any of my services, if you're considering and you're On the fence, please reach out to me and I'd be more than happy to set up a private session to talk about it and what's possible and make sure it feels like a good fit. So thanks for joining me. As always, please leave a review, share with friends, post to Facebook. I really appreciate your help in getting the word out. Take care. Bye.